Hello, good friends, and welcome to a we're a day late episode of the Ten Thousand Latest Podcast. I'm your host Kyle Radke here with Julian Andrews. Julian, what's up? You know, not much. I, I feel like we've had this conversation before. I have to say, <laughs> we are having some technical difficulties here. Um, feels like my internet is always great until I don't need it to be great. Or it's, or wait, it's no, until wait. you do need it to be because yeah. we do need it to be great. Yeah, right we now. need it to be great right now. When I don't need it, probably in the middle of the night is when my internet is at its peak. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's tough. Yeah, it's 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 you know that's the way it goes. Um, we appreciate everybody listening. Um, and I would say thanks for being patient with us, but you're not really being patient because you're not here with us right now. You have no idea. You have no idea what, yeah. what we go through to give you these episodes. Yeah, so. a lot. That's the yeah. answer. A lot. Um, okay. Uh, let's hop right in. Julian, um, the last time we talked was when the Timberwolves fired Ryan Saunders. That mm-hmm. seems like it was like six months ago. It does. A lot has happened, Kyle. Uh, not all of it good. In fact, not much of it good, um, mm-hmm. as I'm sure we'll get into. Yes. Uh, let's hop right in. Okay. So the day after the Wolves hired Chris Finch as their head coach, to they signed him to a multi-year deal. Um, and we talked about in our last podcast, if you're wondering, I wonder where Kyle and Julian stand on this move. Um, we kind of break it down in our last podcast. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, while I think we're probably indifferent of firing Ryan Saunders, I don't think it would have, like, I don't think he would have been the coach after this year anyways. Um, I think there was a lot of frustration with how they went about that process. And the very next day, the NBA Coach Association agreed, basically saying that the way the Timberwolves went about the hiring process for Chris Finch and not looking for candidates of diversity, uh, they were disappointed in. And they they made a big statement about it. Woj tweeted about it. And it wasn't a great look for an organization that has preached diversity since Gerson Rosas took over. Yeah, just, uh, I mean, we covered it on our last pod, so definitely go back and check that out. But the hiring process is just, you know, at the very least, it just wasn't transparent. And without transparency, there's no way to be sure that, you know, you're not just getting favoritism. And uh, I think everyone can agree that the way that um, they had kind of a a long-term coach lined up before Ryan was even fired is a really tough look for the organization. I don't really know what what we can say that hasn't already been said um, and also already been said by us on the last episode. So I don't really want to rehash it, but yeah, just, just not a good, not a good start to the tenure for a new coach. Yeah. And like the David Vanterpool thing is there too, where like we talked about, at least interview him, right. At least like put together like a fake interview and have him be the interim coach for a week. And I mean, that would have been unorthodox too, but the whole process was unorthodox. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, here we are. Um, well then the very next day, if the Timberwolves wanted more bad news, the NBA announced that, uh, guard Malik Beasley, who's been the lone bright spot for this Timberwolves squad this year, maybe besides Anthony Edwards, um, suspended for 12 games for an incident that happened over the off season. And that was like the big fear when, um, the Timberwolves signed him to the four year, $60 million contract, obviously 12 games out of four seasons is such a small chunk that, um, even if it is more than a lot of us expected he would get suspended for, um, you know, it's such a, it's, it's a very, very small mark, but, um, that's a big suspension. Were you surprised? Um, honestly, no, I was not. I I kind of thought that something like this was, was coming down the line. I, 
I don't know. It's a tricky situation. I, I like don't know enough about kind of the historical background of suspensions in the NBA to know if this was kind of what the precedent would would suggest is the appropriate reaction or not. Um, so I don't really have an opinion, I guess, on whether it was a good suspension. I mean, there's no such thing as a good suspension. Obviously, you just wish this whole situation hadn't even happened. Um, but I think, it. I mean, the league made it clear that there was going to be some kind of discipline and it was only a matter of time until it happened. And I think, you know, all things considered, if you want to get really uh, kind of callous about it, the Wolves aren't winning any games anyway. But um, not, you know, taking that aside, uh, I really hope that, you know, Beasley, you know, you know just like takes this as an opportunity to reflect and make better choices because I think he's a really talented player and I hope he kind of figures out some of his personal stuff that's clearly going on. Um, and I hope that he can kind of get back on track. Yeah, I think that's the biggest takeaway is you, you hope that He's a young guy, and obviously that wasn't the only headline he was part of this offseason. Um, you know, so you, yeah, you hope mentally that he's he's okay and he's in a good place. Yeah. Um, and you know, like again, twelve games is such a blip on the radar, and um, we'll for we'll forget all about it if if Beasley's not in the headlines again for anything off the court, and he averages you know twenty twenty two points per game for the Wolf Squad. Um, it's apparent how much they miss him in that game on. Um, Maybe it was Sunday night against the Suns. Uh, Towns and uh, Edwards both had 20 points, and the rest of the three starters had 10 points combined. Yeah. Uh, tough. It's tough because, because you know, I was watching – well, okay, I watched, like, the second half of the Suns game, and I turned it on, and I wasn't looking at Twitter. And I was just like, oh, the Wolves actually look kind of good. You know, I was just like, there's, you know, a lot of good ball movement from J-Mac, a couple of really nice passes – um, from Cat, I thought Edwards looked good. Um, and then I turned on Twitter after the game, and it was like, oh, apparently that was <laughs> an abject disaster. And I haven't been watching enough Wolves basketball. But, I mean, I don't know. There, there are aspects of this team, once you kind of give up on the idea of them being a playoff team or them really, like, being any good at all, you know, which I'm sure Wolves fans are used to, that are kind of fun. You know, like yeah. I, I think that some of their young guys are, are kind of fun. Cat, I thought Cat looked pretty good the other yeah. night. He looked engaged. Night. Yeah. Like I, I thought that, that pass he threw to Anthony Edwards was, was ridiculous. Sick. I think that like if you want a positive takeaway, I think some of the younger guys, um and, and you know, just the chemistry between Edwards and Cat looked good. I thought the ball like they were moving the ball nicely. It didn't really seem like anybody was trying to dominate possession. I thought Cat could have used more touches, honestly. Um, little too much Jalen Noel trying to generate offense. That's but that's and that's where we're at though. Like exactly, it's like what I else mean, are you gonna do? Again, we've talked about this a million times, but it's like I can I. There's only so many times I can talk about. Okay, the Wolves got crushed, but like these are some bright spots for their young stars. It's like over the course of a seventy-plus game season, it's like okay, that's exhausting for a team that people might th- like they thought. They might make the playoffs this year. Yeah, that's true. Although, as somebody who's been kind of shitting on them for the last three weeks, it was kind of, you know, I, I, I just it, felt yeah. a little bit, I was like, okay, maybe here's a little bright spot. But no, now we're back. We're done. That's it. That's that's the no bright more, spot. No more positivity. Um, no more positivity on this podcast. We're, we're, uh, now we're going to talk about Ricky Rubio. Kyle, do you want to uh, talk about that? Wait, okay. So, the tricky thing about Ricky Rubio's statements is that uh, he hasn't done himself any favors by the way he's played individually. Um, 
but I don't think that's what he was alluding to. I think he was alluding to a bigger picture, uh, uh, you know, kind of the, the overall picture in Minnesota right now. He had a quote. This is from last night's game via the Star Tribune and Chris Hine, who's a great guy. You should follow Chris Hine on Twitter. Definitely. Um, the quote, there is some evidence, in the, and he's talking about tanking um, and teams losing on purpose. There is some evidence it may work, like what happened in Philadelphia, I guess. Trust the process when they all went like, Two or when they went like two or three years really bad and they started winning. I kind of don't believe in that kind of system. We have to build good habits from day one. And I don't think we are in the right way, to be honest. Um, I mean, shots fired, but also the kind of, I mean, really though, like, I, I don't know, like, isn't that the kind isn't like, is he saying anything surprising there? Is, are we huh. just so shocked to have this moment of honesty from a, a Timberwolves player? Well, I think it's honesty from a veteran player who's basically just like, I don't want to be part of this then. Like, yeah, that's I fair. thought we were going to be building this thing where we we're going to try to win. And I get the situations changed with Carl's injury and then the, with the COVID situation overall in the NBA, it's such a weird season. But we, I don't know. Like, you have a veteran. I think he, instead of, he's not asking, should we be losing for the standings? I think he's asking, are we even trying to be competitive in these games? This has nothing to do with the Wolves' draft pick. Um, you know, people talk, people really like to talk about kind of like losing the right way. And I, I don't know how much I buy into that really in general. I don't know. I don't, I don't really believe that you learn more from losing than from winning. Um, especially if you're talking about losing systemically, like I understand that an occasional loss or a, a loss, you know, that's tied to a specific type of situation can really hammer something home and be like, all right, we're never going to lose like that again. Yeah. Like we're, we're never going to like, Oh my God, I took my eye off my guy and he back cut me and scored the game winning basket off a pass. I am never going to, you know, give that guy that space or give my, the person I'm guarding that space again. You know, like that's the type of thing that you can learn from losing. Cause you get that emotional, like, oh man, like, why did I let that happen? Yeah. And I, you know, I think about what happened to Draymond, you know, you got two technicals and in that game, remember? Yeah. He got like two technicals. His team lost because of it. They got the free throws. He said that days later he was still thinking about that and that it felt worse to him than when he got suspended during the finals, which, you know, we can, we can discuss like the validity of that, but like that's the type of thing that you learn from because now I bet you Draymond is not doing that again because it, he hated to lose so much. But the thing is, is that in order to learn from losing, you need to hate losing. Like you can't just be, it can't just be like losing is normal um, because then you don't learn things. You don't change things by like being stuck in a, like, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, just no. by, by being stuck in normalcy. Um and right now it's just like losing is accepted. And so there's a difference between understanding that you might not win every night and doing what you can to win when you can, but, you know, realizing like being realistic and accepting losing. And I think that what Rubio is saying is that right now the wolves are just kind of accepting that they're not doing things the right way. And that's not acceptable. And I think that that is probably part of why Saunders got fired. Um, and if Rubio is saying that as a guy who's been around the league, you know, are you saying this is on the players? Um, well, it's probably on the players and the coach, right? 
Or, I mean, I, I mean, I think there's an argument to be made that it's on the front office too, because if you're a team and you have Carl Anthony Towns, who you think is a top 15 player and you are getting completely, and I get, you don't have Russell and you don't have Beasley, but, but you, you have the number one pick on, and, and, you know, he's probably been one of the top three rookies in the league and you're getting your shit tossed every single night. Like that, doesn't that say something about the players that you've put around everybody else? Yes. Yes. But I also think that there are teams like, do you really think that the wolves have that much less talent than like the Hornets? You know, like I, I get that, that there have been injuries. And so I, it's really hard to judge. I mean, this is what we've been saying all season, right? It's really hard to judge with injuries, but there are teams that, you know, have slightly inferior talent and still like do winning things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not all about yeah. just like raw talent. Like there's also how you operate as a unit, how well your defensive system works. Like there's, there's all these other reasons you can win and the Wolves just aren't doing any of those. So I don't think it's all on the players. No, I think it's on the front office to create a culture. And I think, I mean, I think eventually everything ladders up to the front office. It's on the front office to create a system and a culture that works for the players and supports them. And I don't think any of the players right now are in a situation where they can excel. So I don't I don't hold it against the players personally. It's not like I think they they should just be like gutting out wins like out of nothing. But at the same time, you know, I mean, Rubio is probably right. Like they're not making winning plays. They're not. I don't think they're probably at this point trying as hard as they could be. And I'm not necessarily even holding that against them because you know if I was in their shoes in this chaotic situation, I don't think I'd be able to perform at my best. Yeah. No, I, I I agree with you. Um, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Um, I thought I cut out there for a little bit. No, I'm I'm with you. Um, I I think like the blame's probably on everybody, right? And and Saunders was the easy man out. Um, you know, but we'll see. We'll, we'll I mean, we'll see. I think there's something to be said for like you know I I don't know if a team. I mean, I, we could look at the the NBA, but I mean, the, I don't know if there's a team in the league that's tanked more than the Wolves over like the last five years. Um, yeah. Or like you know, I've had their, their their tanking moments, right? Um, and I think somebody said to me over the weekend, I think somebody said the Timberwolves deserve their top three pick um, just because of how the season's gone. And it's, I mean, I, w- I would argue that the opposite that they deserve to lose their pick because of how poorly they judged that trade, yeah. um, and maybe how good they thought Russell was. And I, I, I mean, I, I get yeah. the arguments about like him and Towns haven't played together and blah blah blah, but um, you know that's. That's part of how how business goes. But just think about you know, there the Wolves have had so much high draft capital talent rotate through the organization, and none of it has translated to winning. Yeah, yeah. No, I I don't know I, what else to say. You know, I agree. And it's like a thinker for Wolves fans. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily if I I think Carl might be more talented. I guess. Um, but do you wonder between him, Wiggins, and Levine, when it was the, you know, they had those three, it was thought of Towns one, Wiggins two, Levine three. You wonder if Levine might be the best player out of that group now. Oh, man. I can't go that far yet. I would still way rather have Cat than have Levine. Yeah, I definitely I mean, think Levine is better than Wiggins. But I, I mean, I, I personally, if you're asking me, I would still, I still think Cat is, is way better. Yeah. I, I guess I probably agree, but then I look at the two rosters and I see the Bulls have 15 wins. And I, I guess if you, if you think if Carl plays every game this year, do the Wolves have 15 wins? I don't, I don't know. Um, 
Yeah, I'm probably going too far. I think I think you're probably right. But um, I mean, Levine, to his credit, has been awesome, and he's really improved. Like I, uh, this is not a knock on Levine. I think I'm just still kind of irrationally high on Cat. I saw so many tweets circulating today that were like, "The Wolves are Owen blank with these players, and Owen blank with these players." It's like the Wolves are Owen something with every player. Yeah, <laughs> you know they've won what like two games. Like, yeah, your, your stats are not going to look good no matter how you slice it. Well, that's a good segue because I had a friend text me from um, uh, he asked me because he said the Knicks are in fourth place in the East right now. They're 18 and 17. Um, Tibbs is doing a good job and their roster yeah. is, isn't loaded, but he's doing the Tibbs thing where he's just grinding out as many wins as he can. And, um, you know, we'll see if that's the good move long term. But he's, you know, he said, what's the biggest takeaway? And I said, well, the East, it's probably that the East is a very good Um but also, then he's like, well, if the Wolves played in the East, how many wins would they have? And I, I said eight. They have seven wins right <laughs> now. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 hard. Um, but but here we are. Uh, speaking of the Eastern Conference today, the Hawks fired head coach Lloyd Pierce. Yeah. Um, Hawks off to a disappointing 14-20 start. This is after they spent a boatload of money this offseason. Um, they got Danilo Gallinari. The hope was that uh, you know, Trey Young, John Collins, uh, Capella, Kevin Herter. You have this this group of guys that we're going to figure it out. Um, and they haven't. And I don't know how much of that is on Lloyd Pierce. I don't watch a lot of games. Um, but, yeah, uh, he's out. Um, I was pretty gone- surprised by this. Yeah, me too. They're three and seven in the last 10 games. Um, I did not think he would be the first coach to go this season. Or not yeah, the first, but the second. Like, I didn't really think that this was coming. I mean, Gallinari's been hurt. I mean, in, in in fairness, we just talked about the Knicks, right? Um, they're only three and a half games back from the Knicks at the four seed. Yeah, right? Like, I don't know. I, honestly, if, if the Hawks are making a move, I thought they were going to trade John Collins before they fired their coach. Yeah, um, I, I would like to hear from Hawks fans, actually, because they brought Nate McMillan in from Indiana, which was seen as a good hire. And I wonder if they think that wasn't necessarily a, a hire to help Lloyd Pierce out, but instead to... Um, maybe potentially replace him. Yeah. I read a tweet about how McMillan's been really loyal to Pierce um, now, which I, I, I feel bad for Nate McMillan, man. He always gets these, like he came in, he, he fixed the blazers and then he got fired and then he went and fixed the pacers and he got fired. Yeah. And now he's going to fix the Hawks and get fired. But it's like, he's like the guy you bring in to kind of save the franchise. Um, but then like when it comes time to actually reap the rewards, he always gets kicked to the curb, but I'm very pro. I'm very pro Nate McMillan, so I hope he does well. I'm glad to see him get another shot. But yeah, I, I'm I was kind of surprised by Lloyd Pierce's firing. I get that the Hawks had these high expectations, but if you look, I don't know, like were those really that uh, justified? And if you think about how much lack of chemistry there seemed to be between Trey Young and really everyone, um, mm-hmm. I think maybe Trey Young is just not a winning player. I don't know that it all smells a little off to me, but we'll see. Yeah. You can look at it two ways, right? Like you can say, okay, they're, but you can look at it in as many different ways, I guess you want, but um, you can look at it as, okay, they're two and a half games back or three and a half games back from the four seed. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that's not that bad of a job, or you can think of it as, Hey, we're only, we've had a bad season so far. We're only three and a half games back. Let's get a new voice in there and see if we can make a surge. Yeah, Um, that's fair. It it also sounds like, um, I don't know this, for sure, but it sounds like the Atlanta Hawks owner is very, very hands-on mm. um, and like wants to see the team win. And I think that's a big reason why a lot of money got injected into the team this year. So, um, well, 
I just got a push notification. Nate McMillan has accepted the interim head coaching job at the Hawks. Mm, good for him. McMillan has a 667 and 591 record in 16 seasons as a head coach. That's 530. That's Pretty insane good. that he has 16 seasons under his belt. Really wild. Yeah, that's nuts. And like he just doesn't really get talked about when a head coaching job opens. No, he's good. Yeah. Yes, he is. Um, okay. Um, I, w- I want to go and talk about a little bit of, um, you know, we talked about sports cards. We talked about them a lot. Um, I have two topics I want to bring up today. Mm-hmm. The first is uh, for collectors out there, PSA grading just went up. Um, what does that mean? Well, I don't know exactly what the prices are. I just I, I just saw uh, PSA's tweet. Um, but what it, I'm guessing it means, so during the pandemic, a lot of people were taking cards that they thought would maybe sell if they PSA 9 or PSA 10. They would sell them for, or they would uh, get them graded for like, I think 17 bucks or 18 bucks was like the rate. And they would, you know, if it, if it was worth it to get graded, they would try to flip the card for $50. Um I think PSA is so over, like just they are overwhelmed right now with with PSA orders. They are trying to like get those cards out of there, yeah. And uh, so they're they're raising the prices so those flippers won't um, continue to flip. The only problem with this is if the if the if the market stays the same and just adjusts accordingly, the flippers will just continue to do this, and then those cards will just sell for higher because there'll probably be fewer of them being graded. Yeah, they'll and they'll price in the cost of PSA. Yeah, so it'll. I mean, the, I mean, if the demand is still there, we'll see. Um, but I, for 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 short term, this should uh, at least hopefully slow things down at PSA because um, I have like three hundred cards there right now, and they have not moved at all. <laughs> and yep. I, yeah. So um, another thing to talk about. So um uh, a lot of people ask me about cards and and what cards they should be buying and and what's good value um that's always a tricky question because a lot of it is based on your budget uh for example if you can afford a tom brady rookie card or a lebron james rookie card these are cards that are just going to continue to go up in value because that's how it works with these stars right um like you get a lebron james psa 10 rookie card i guarantee you that card in 20 years is going to be probably double or triple what it's worth right now um because that's just how the market moves so if you can afford that card great uh when it comes to lower end cards i don't always have a lot of good advice because those are more of the gambles where um do you think x player from this draft class is going to be really good like if you think like if you think josh green from dallas is going to be really good you can get like his cards for 99 cents and you can buy 50 of them right right um, what I'll say on the other side of that is be careful about these other players. Like, uh, like the, the brands that are out right now are, are certified in hoops and they're, they're kind of lower end, but, um, you know, they, they can be valuable, you know, if, if you go through the grading process and everything, but what we're seeing is like the classic rate, like just reactive market where, uh, for example, like a certified card for, uh, Halliburton from, from the Kings, his rookie card is $40, um, Surprisingly, Anthony Edwards, his rookie card sold like, the, the most recent that I pulled sold for twenty five, right? Um, and those might sound like good deals compared to uh, if they become stars. But what I'll say about that is the John Morant card, rookie card, same card from a year ago, just sold for fifteen dollars and fifty cents. Um, 
so what what does this tell you right this this tells you that that we like the new thing and then as soon as the new mm-hmm. thing's gone um you know that price is going to dip so if i were you if i guess if i had the anthony edwards card and, and some of these rookies that are shining right now i would honestly probably sell them and then even if you l- really like that player and then in three months just go buy that card again <laughs> and yeah. um you know you'll probably make you know 15 20 bucks off of it obviously you know that's that's 20 bucks might not mean mean anything to you um but uh you know i would just be careful with that and that you know that, that that's where I, when any new product comes out uh i generally if i get a player that i'm not interested in keeping i try to flip right away because by the time the next the next product or brand comes out like i think donris came out late last week or it's coming out next week yeah it came out late last week yeah like when when that gets on the on the shelves and people start trying to sell those and those generally grade really well too um that'll be the next big thing so um that's my advice is just uh be smart with with you know don't don't be too reactive to like a really good game for a player um and you know if there is a player that you really like and you want to spend 50 bucks on them um you know, I think it's a good time to get into players that are, you know, pretty, uh, you know, for pretty cheap, those 99 cent cards. Um, but those, yeah, the players that everybody wants, there's a reason why everybody wants them and there's a reason why the prices are high. Um, so yeah, that, that's my advice. Nice. You heard it here first folks. Yeah. Get rich. Uh, (laughs) get, get rich, uh, with Kyle's card corner. We'll take 5% of all of the um right <laughs> all of your all of your sales just kidding uh, we won't do that no we will okay never mind. somebody actually kidding. julian you, i don't know if i told you this somebody on twitter said they listen to the show and they're at they're actually sending me their cards yeah from, yeah you told me about this from up north and they want me i told them i'd meet them but then i realized that might not be a great idea um just to meet some random guy on twitter who says, yeah. says he's gonna give me baseball cards but what he's gonna do is he's he wants to split the profits um, three ways. And then the, the, you know, a third to me, a third to him, and then a third will go to a charity. Cool. So it's really cool. And if anybody's interested in doing that, um, I love doing that stuff and, um, I won't even charge a third for it. Cause I think that's a lot of money probably, but, um, yeah, I, I enjoy doing that stuff. And I think the charity aspect is a really good idea. That's yeah, that's really cool. Um, all right, Julian, I think that's all we have. Yeah. Uh, we kept, we keep promising you guys, John Krasinski and God damn it. One of these days we're going to give you John Krasinski. He's, he's, uh, he's just waiting. He's, he's been in my, he's just been, we are playing hard to get right now is what's mm-hmm. happening. He's, well, he's locked. He's locked well, in my basement. Yeah. Well, yeah. So very, mm-hmm. very hard to get. Yeah. Um, sweet. Uh, cool. I'm going to text him right now. See what, see what time he wants to record this week. But, um, yeah, that was kind of our rundown of the last few days for the Timberwolves, and uh, hopefully we'll be back with with uh, a guest later this week. Talk to you soon. All right, later, guys. Right.